Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings your Garage Logic podcast number 795, February 21, 2022. Man, we had a nice run of weather five years ago. It was 62 degrees on this day in 2017. We had a nice stretch there. Yeah, we did. Uh, and it was 21 below on this day in 1873. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers, Manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Height in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight game, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Doesn't sound like Tony. I think that was the point. I think he's trying to... You know, oh, we like the sound of Tony. Hey, a friend of mine was in Chicago over the weekend, Big O, and yep. he, he when he heard that Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson were guest preachers at a church near his hotel, mm-hmm. he went to check it out in person. He'd never seen that. Wow! And as soon as he sat down, Reverend Sharpton came over to him and said, uh, "I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was the only white person in the church." He laid his hands on my shoulder and said, by the will of Jesus, the Lord Almighty, and the will of God, you will walk today. I told him, I'm fine. I'm not paralyzed. Then Jesse Jackson came by and Mm. said, by the grace of God and his son, Jesus, the Lord Almighty, you will walk today. Again, I said, there's there's nothing wrong with it. I'm good here. Yeah. After the sermon, I stepped outside, and lo and behold, they were right. My car was gone. (laughs) Boom. See, it's a went to church in Chicago. (laughs) Ah, Ah, church in Chicago. You Good could have one. said that about Minneapolis, too. Funny stuff. That really was. Yeah. Good start. Carjacking talk. Oh. What is this podcast number? 795. Not really a milestone. Well, it's a, it's, it, yeah, it's a Next one. week, 800? 800 will occur. Uh, Sometime next week. Yeah. 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 Say, I'm catching up on some emails that we didn't get to because of our presence at the golf show. The Choice Bank. Choice Bank golf, golf show fun, last you know Friday. That was a, a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was right fun. It's yeah, a good show. Wait, yeah. what? I can't you guys worked on again. Friday? Pardon? Yeah, oh, you were shush, there. Kenny. By the way, I, I I did feel bad because I didn't get to partake uh, in the uh, the mayor's post show beverage supply. I had well, to, there was oh, only was one, a, and we left. I know I had to scurry back here to get the show posted. So I oh. I, I, I I'll take that anytime you're ready. Did you Great. feel bad? Sure you or for it. Did you feel badly? Did what I, did he feel, Joe? Did ooh, he feel bad or badly? I don't know. I never get that one right. He's given up on English. The you recall I was it. talking about these uh, hypocrites in the government who wanted to provide us with a gas tax holiday? Sure, yes. And uh, just some help. Uh, this is from Bob. Just some help. Rob, I'm sorry. Just some help illustrating what a joke it is to suspend the national gas tax to give us back a whopping 18 cents a gallon. Say a couple has two cars and each drives 2,000 miles a month. That's 48,000 miles per year total. Let's say they get 20 miles to the gallon. That's 2,400 gallons of gas. That's a savings of $432 a year. If we didn't cease domestic oil production and gas was a dollar less than it is today, that would be a savings of $2,400 a year. Who's doing who a favor here? Perfect, here, perfect here. example here, of here. why it's B as in B, S as in S. That's a bat and a ball. And, mm. and uh, uh, Bill writes... Uh, I spent 42 years designing integrated circuits. Computer simulation is a very important tool that is used extensively to design integrated circuits. The first thing you knew, you the first thing you learn is that you do not just blindly accept what the computer is telling you. You must prove to yourself that the computer is giving you the correct answer. Anybody who thinks they have an accurate computer model for the climate must prove it is giving you the correct answer before you can give it any credence. My suggestion to prove the validity of your computer model is to go back and put the data from the year 1900 into your model, then run your simulation for 100 years. If your climate model is accurate, it should be able to reproduce the exact data that was measured during the 20th century. If your model cannot reproduce what happened during the 20th century, then your model is worthless. Here's an anecdote. We had a significant drought back in the 1990s. People were very concerned about the drop in the water level in Lake Minnetonka. The experts said it would take years for Minnetonka to get back to its normal level. Some people seriously suggested 
that we needed to divert water from the Crow or Mississippi rivers to fill Lake Minnetonka. After a winter with a lot of snow and a lot of rain, the following spring, Lake Minnetonka was back to its normal level one year later. I don't believe that anyone has a computer model that can accurately predict how Mother Nature will behave. Here, here. Yeah, you can't. No prediction. Well, and as Michael Crichton said, you, you can't take a model created today and then project it. Right, because that, that doesn't make sense. There's too many variables. Weren't you also the guy that um, suggested that we take all of the snow we remove and dump it into, was it White Bear? Well, White Bear was having some problems. I, I got to thinking, why not just put all the snow we shovel up uh, from the streets? Right. How awesome would it be if all of that salt and sand was dumped right into White Bear Lake? That's exactly That would be what? so fantastic. I, I really, that was a really bad clear, idea on my crystal part. Crystal clear White Bear Lake. <laughs> they need a lot of Aquaside that spring, man. <laughs> White Bear Lake was in the news over the weekend. Carjacking, uh, no, shooting, no, what do we have? Oh, no, the, the, the lake itself. I'd have to get a hold of the lake detective. Uh, yeah, well, I, I saw, saw that piece on Sunday. It seems we're, uh, what was the gist of it? They created a law for the long term, but meanwhile the lake basically corrected itself, but now we're not going to be able to use water in schools. To maintain uh, the lake level. Yeah. would require such draconian measures that hospitals and schools would not be allowed to use water. Oh, and right. I think if it comes down to the people on White Bear Lake or the hospitals and schools, the hospitals and schools should win. Every yeah. time. Yeah. You think yeah. they should have water? I think so. I yeah. think so. I yeah. think and so. meanwhile, didn't this was in 2017, wasn't it? Didn't the lake, the lake correct itself? Yeah, the lake's been fine for a couple of years. It's yeah. just been fine. Yeah. When my wife lived on the Optimus Beach there... When they moved in in 85 or whatever it was, the lake was high. And then that was that drought where it started to, you just saw sand. And then doing it, this for yes, 10,000 correct years. Correct. Because nature is bigger than man. Yeah. Kind. Boys, what are we witnessing in Canada? And apparently we still are because Kenny has been monitoring a situation where we discover that there's gridlock back in Ottawa. Yeah, um, my Google map does not coincide with the interactive traffic map. I discovered a, um, since I last spoke to you about this, I discovered a traffic cam map, and every single camera I click shows wide open, free flowing streets. So I don't know what's going on with the Google map that shows closures and uh, gridlock. Is it Google pushing an agenda, maybe, Ken? Oh, God, you are such a... Oh, that is so dark. I respect I you so much You're for welcome. that conspiracy. Thank I you. I read a piece called, After Trucker Protest, Canada Grapples with a Question. Was it a blip or something bigger? And apparently this is a piece that first appeared in the New York Times. I do not see an author's name. But it goes on to point out that was the occupation an aberration or was it the beginning of a more fundamental shift in the country's political landscape? Yes. Did their chaotic blockade alienate the public so much that the movement has no shot at a future? Or did it form a base for a lasting political organization? There is a worry, and it's been expressed in all kinds of ways, that this protest movement will become something much more significant and much more sustained, said Wesley Wark a senior fellow at the Center for International Governance Innovation, a Canadian public policy group. It was given terrific oxygen to spread its message. The moment is uniquely tied to the pandemic. Protesters demanded an end to all government pandemic measures, but it is also part of a broader trend. Social media was a driving force behind street protests of the past decade or so, unitizing, uniting multitudes in occupations from Zuccotti Park in New York to Gezi Park in Istanbul. But research has shown that such movements often have a tough time converting their energy into real change. By Sunday afternoon, streets in Ottawa, when was this dated? This is dated today. By Sunday afternoon, streets in Ottawa had been clogged with trucks, makeshift canteens, and noisy protesters were largely empty except for police vehicles. A swath of downtown had been fenced off. A protester compound that had been occupied. A baseball stadium's parking lot had been cleared. 
though about two dozen heavy trucks and a cluster of other vehicles reconvened about 100 kilometers outside the city. Okay, I don't want to keep reading this. It's 10 pages long. What did we witness there, and what are we witnessing? Well, what I was pleasantly surprised to discover over the weekend was north of the border, it's completely okay to use horses to control the crowd and, in one case, trample a 65-year-old woman. Mm. But south of the border, it's not okay to use horses when you're trying to corral illegal uh, illegal immigrants crossing the border. Right. What I saw was um, uh, Trudeau's fascination with the dictators. And the Trudeau family has always been fascinated and in love with the dictators and dictatorship. Uh, he, He turned himself into a dictator. The next step is communism. This is this is so far past being about the virus, and it yeah, hasn't been about yeah. the virus for some time no. now. And it's, it's playing out about controlling um, the citizens. Correct. I haven't seen any polling. Do we know, for example, if the truckers had the support of a majority of Canadians? If you take the pulse of whatever social I'm, media, and I'm reluctant, have you, I'm reluctant to take the pulse of social media. I'm, right. I'm just saying that Literally. a lot of the people that were neutral on this have completely swung to the side of the protesters. The breakoff of the demonstration came after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who has cast himself as a champion of human rights, invoked an emergency measure that gave the police the ability to seize the protesters' vehicles and allowed banks to freeze their accounts. Hmm. Mr. Trudeau's decision prompted legal action to quash the order from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, which called it unconstitutional. Uh, it, uh, I, you know, he had two options. Say, fellas, thank you for your service. Good luck to you. We're, we're ending any uh, rules and regulations here. We're going to suspend these mandates. Or he did this, and he continued to double and triple down on it. And, uh, again, what I'm wondering is, what did we see? What what will we see? What is Canada's politics? Are they do they tend to as they're a nation? A, they're a free country. Are they fifty fifty well, right now? Though? Of. Well, they're kind <laughs> of. I know free. they're not voting for Trump, but are they fifty fifty? Is it is the nation split like ours is? I don't know. In interview after interview, trucker after trucker said this was their first protest. Michael Johnson, 53, parked his fire engine red truck in front of Parliament after his son suggested they drive in with the convoy. He stayed there until the very end. When we turned our headlights toward Ottawa, I don't think any of us knew what we were driving into, Johnson said. I didn't realize how bad it was until I got here. Mr. Johnson never got vaccinated and didn't have to. Hauling scrap metal around northern Ontario does not require crossing the border. And he said he recently became a supporter of the right-wing People's Party of Canada. But he believes that coronavirus is real, and when people knocked on the door of his cab to talk about conspiracy theories, he refused to engage. That's not why I'm here, he said. It's a distraction. Every 10 minutes or so, someone stopped by to drop off money, give him a hug, or thank him. Mr. Johnson has heard stories of people who lost their jobs because they don't want to get vaccinated. His cab is plastered with appreciation letters from people who have told him that the movement made them feel, for once, that they weren't crazy or alone. (laughs) Telling people you either get this or you lose your jobs or you can't go to places, it's segregation, Mr. Johnson said. Carmen Celestini, a postdoctoral fellow at the Disinformation Project at Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, British Columbia, said that kind of protester, the genuine people who are anti-vaccine, has been overlooked throughout the occupation. Their voices have been ignored so much in this, Ms. Celestini said, adding that because we keep showing that underneath name-calling and not engaging, it's going to fester. Mr. Johnson's truck is the most valuable thing he owns, and it is his livelihood. The risk of losing it left him anxious. When the police started closing in, his uncle and aunt begged him to go home. The realization of what I might lose from all this, he said, is scary. There was a part of him that wanted to stake out to just wanted the stake out to just end, but he refused to pack up early. Hmm. I'm too far in now, he said. If we show fear, everyone will lose momentum. On Saturday, the police finally reached his door. A man walked up to shake his hand through the window, and one more time, Mr. Johnson walked out with his hands in the air, surrendering himself and his truck to authorities. I should note how peaceful this guy was, right? right? A crush of supporters let out a cheer. We love you, several people yelled. Mr. Johnson was forced out of the protest along with everyone else gathered in front of Parliament, but he vowed to keep fighting. Now, he said, they've woken me up. Okay. He didn't mean woke. No, he meant he's been awakened. God almighty. I'm looking at a lot of cams right around Parliament and not 
I'm seeing empty streets and barricades. Mm-hmm. I don't see any semis. I don't see any cars even. You know what that trade, uh, what was the major bridge they closed? The, uh, what's the bridge called? It's the open bridge. I don't remember what it's called. Portage but... Bridge, <clears throat> Eddy oh. Street. Mackinac. Uh, no. No. Uh, Alexandra. The one, with the one that really interfered with the transport of car parts. Uh, McDonald Cartier. Windsor. 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 The Windsor from uh, Canada into Detroit. That's You know what, what amount of trade crosses that bridge every day? $300 million. The, the truckers had a significant impact on that kind of life in Canada. But I don't think anything's been resolved in terms of them being free of being ordered to get vaccinated. The Ambassador Bridge. Ambassador Bridge. This one's called, the, there's a Gordie Howe International Bridge. Doesn't surprise me. Oh. The Ambassador Bridge is a tolled international suspension bridge across the Detroit River yep. that connects Detroit, the U.S., with Windsor, Ontario. See, Gordie Howe is a very famous Canadian hockey player. It doesn't surprise me that there's a, a bridge named after him. Well, Got it. Uh, Windsor and um, Ottawa are a billion miles apart. Mm-hmm. I don't know, folks. Uh, my sentiment ended up on the side of the truckers. Of course. Yeah. As it should. Yeah. Why were they more or less likely to catch of an illness than any other segment they're not, of Canadian Joe. society? They're, they're not. That's the whole point is because, this, this, as we said earlier, this is no longer about the virus. This is about control. And Trudeau could have ended all of this by just simply saying, all right, mandates are lifted. But no, he couldn't because his feelings got hurt because he's got little man syndrome. Well, Mom, they're not listening to me. Send last, in the horses. Last week, he stormed out of Parliament. Uh, he was accusing those who support the truckers of, of Nazism. Oh, of course, yes. Right. To, which a, to, to which a lesbian Jewish member of Parliament confronted him and read him the riot act. How yep. dare you say this? I saw that. And uh, my God, he went over the top. Just over the top. But that's what this was. Peaceful protest. He, you know what he right. is? He's a weenie. He's just a weenie. No one was listening to him, so he had to pull out all the strings because he had no answers. Uh, I just don't know where the people stand on this. During the three-week operation, much about the protests alienated Canadians. At a border blockade in Alberta, police seized a large cache of weapons and charged four protesters with conspiring to murder police officers. But demonstrators also saw much of the disruption they caused as a tactical victory. One contingent in Windsor, Ontario, blocked a key bridge between Canada and the U.S. for a week, forcing, here's the, here's the figure, forcing auto plants to scale back production and disrupting about $300 million a day in trade. From the beginning, they caught, they caught law enforcement flat-footed. Some truckers said in interviews that they were surprised at being allowed to stay there in the first place. And the city's police chief resigned in response to the public anger over the sluggish pace at which the authorities moved to dislodge them. And then we get the breakup came after Trudeau uh, created these emergency measures to give police the ability to seize vehicles and allow banks to freeze assets. What the hell? Mm-hmm. And this is why so many people, myself included, they, they're, they're rejecting all of this because they don't trust the government anymore. And so what we what we must also conclude is, isn't this three hundred million dollars a day in trade, Kenny, still uh, still in effect? Because the law remains that an unvaccinated Canadian trucker cannot cross the border. As far as I know, right, right. Why don't they just left it? Because that would that to them, it would be a sign of defeat. Meanwhile, they're still not doing what the people want. Yeah, they would rather take the hit than, you know, let things resume. This is not. This has not been about the virus for some time. But no. did the truckers accomplish anything? Uh, well, I think they got the attention of Parliament, the world, but what's and the a, world. What's yeah. awareness? We're already aware of yeah. everything. What did they accomplish? They're, they we still learned, can't truck. We learned a lot about Trudeau. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's been exposed. Although there were pockets of sympathy for the protesters' frustration with pandemic rules, the bulk of Canadians resented their tactics and wanted them to go home, surveys show. In Ottawa, residents were angry that the authorities took so long to act. 
Okay. Well, they were having, it's because of what, supply chain issues, and I get that part of it. Uh, well, we've got a lot of problems in the world right now, including in Ukraine. What's going on over there, Joe? Well, I, I re, my theory on Putin remains uh, uh, stronger and more refined every day. He's got nothing else to do. He's bored. He's playing with you. He's playing risk. He's jerking, the game risk. He's jerking the rope with you. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he doesn't have much of a country to govern. This puts him in the headlines. As I said, no one's looking for the next Russian car or computer. Or it seems more dangerous than that. Well, he is, of course, because not only is he bored, he's soulless. That's a bad combination. Sounds like a Bond villain, doesn't it? I, I, yes. I've read that he wishes to go into Ukraine and commit violence. What's because, he so mad at? Because, they're... because they broke away from his nothing country, and he's trying to keep it together. He's trying to keep the Soviet bloc together. What was he mad at? <laughs> what are we mad at today? Uh, well, at least, you know, they have the fear of the leadership here in our country. You know, we're, we're, we're issuing some really yeah, tough uh, sanctions, Joe. Got Kamala Harris over there. Well, that's what I was going to say. Keeper, you can have her. If you believe Putin has made up his mind, what leverage do you really have? Why not put those sanctions in place now? The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. Mm-hmm. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, now she sounds that like we have issued, <laughs> as I articulated yesterday. It, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions and individuals, and it will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government. But if Putin has made up his mind, do you feel that this threat that has been looming is really going to deter him? Absolutely. We strongly believe... And, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. <laughs> and within the context then of the fact that that window is still opening, although open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect we believe has merit. Now, with a thorough explanation of what she just said, here's Joe Souchere. Well, the question was pretty good. If you think a deterrent uh, sanctions are so great, why not do it right now? Right. What are the sanctions? So what he's in for. What are the sanctions that uh, uh, Russian businessmen that have stole money from Russia may not buy New York real estate for? And they can't build a new yacht. <clears throat> the average Russian doesn't have any money. No. Putin's well, buddies do. What a bunch of BS. Isn't it a kind of a slap in the face to Putin and everybody else to send her over there? Well, I'll see. She is a real lightweight. <laughs> yeah. Was she talking yeah. with a mask on? Sure was, Joe. Oh, what God. an insult. The best Which, part you know, is she's eight know. feet away from everybody, but right. yet I still have to have my mask on just so I, you know the optics look good. For more than 30 years, the center of the American experiment has been known as Minnesota's think tank. They could probably solve this uh, Russian-Ukraine deal faster than Kamala Harris. Uh, you know what you do at a think tank? You think. You think. You come up with reports, papers, research, events, speakers on the leading public policy issues of the day, but they more... They do more than just publish white papers. They get in there and advocate and fight on issues like education reform, sensible energy policy, health care, and the state budget. They're trying to make Minnesota a freer and more prosperous and better governed state. We are lucky to have them in their midst. You can go to their website right now and you can get a great tutorial on this exploding food fraud scandal, however alleged. They've got a great timeline that will help you understand it while we also root for them and the Star Tribune to stay on top of it. They have an event coming up tomorrow. You can probably still attend. It's a luncheon event with political science professor Willard Wilford Riley. Uh, he will discuss how mainstream media pushes falsehoods about America, especially surrounding ideas of race, class, and crime. 
The center of the American Experiment is Minnesota's think tank. We're lucky to have them. If you'd like to learn more, and I hope you do, go to uh, American Experiment, all one word, AmericanExperiment.org. Hey, Geolers, it's Reavers here once again for my friends at Hofferman Water. They are an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental for Connecticut water treatment systems, including water softeners, iron rust and odor filtration systems, and, of course, drinking water systems. A new system from Connecticut can do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot. They will cut down on salt usage and protect all of your appliances. Trust me when I say bad water affects nearly every single aspect of your home. Your showers are better, your laundry is better, not to mention your drinking water. And another underrated aspect of this, a brand new state-of-the-art Connecticut water treatment system helps the resale value of your home. Please get in touch with my friends at Hoffman Water today. I had my Connecticut system installed years ago and it has made an amazing difference in the quality of my water. Call them today for that free water analysis. 952-894-4040 or you can just visit them online today at HoffermanWater.com. Hofferman Water, proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. Here's a man who arranges his recycling three times before taking it to the curb. Here's Joe Souchere. Accuracy. What's with the look, Such? What are your thoughts? Is it accurate? Three times? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. I do the same thing as well. I do. I look for cardboard boxes to kind of pattern the No, when the Kenny's sound. done, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. So my 22-year-old son uh, laid off from the construction uh, industry right now. He's been playing f- uh, phone tag with Dave, the owner of ProTurf, trying to see if he could get on job and uh, get on uh, the clock, get on, what do I want to say here? Get on the... Uh, the payroll, baby. Yeah, thank you. Get on the payroll and push some snow around. And he go, and he's up last oh. weekend. He goes, yeah, we... Phone tag. I can't get a hold of him. And I said, look, here's here's the deal. I guarantee you by tomorrow night you're going to be in a skid loader pushing snow around. Uh, he just sent me a picture of his brand-new pro-turf knit hat that he's going to be wearing <laughs> nice. tonight yes. while driving a skid loader pushing snow around. That's how quick it happens, folks. And uh, pro-turf, they've been looking to hire a bunch of people. Um, to push snow around in the winter, to uh, drag hoses around in the summer. And this just isn't any old scrub job. We're talking about a career here. They're looking for pros, turf applicators, golf course workers, horticulture people, landscape. If you have an interest in that sort of stuff, or if you have a strong interest in, like my son, being left alone and driving a skid loader, (laughs) do it. Give them a call. Get on the Internet, professionalturf.com. We're talking... 12 months out of the year, working on your own, flexible hours, full benefits, paid vacations, holidays, 401k, everything you could possibly get, plus bonuses, performance bonuses in the summer. And if you have the right skill set, you'll get a $1,000 to $1,500 sign-on bonus as soon as you get on board. Do it now. There's snow to move tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Um, professionalturf.com, that's the best place. Indeed.com, also a good one. Or get on the phone, do like my son did, 952-469-8680, and get a gig with ProTurf. You know, in the recycling bins, the wheeled uh, blue bins first appeared in the city. Yeah, in St. Paul. Where about they're, five years ago, six years you know, ago. Or it's mandated that you, you do what we say I, with the I, trash. Uh, I I was bothered by the aesthetic, uh, not of the uh, the bin itself, but uh, the idea of just dumping stuff into it bothered me. So I, I spent considerable time. What? I spent considerable time calling Eureka. Oh my and, and wait, finally, wait, 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 wait. Because I wanted to know, and this, and I'm the dummy here. I want to know, well, can I put my stuff in there in a bag? And the woman at the other end was kind of wondering, what the hell is this idiot talking about? Uh, kind of like me right now. I, I, I No, if I'm going to take out cans, for example, they're in a grocery bag. Mm-hmm. Then I set the grocery bag in the bin. And then, and then two days later, there might be a bag of paper. I set that bag in the bin. And I, I was wondering if I could this, do that. This forced you to call? Why don't you just do it? I didn't know if, uh, if that would have been acceptable. It turns Screw out it. it's it, acceptable. It, it's all recyclable. Right. How could it's, you be losing sleep counting ceiling tiles over to the Eureka call center, shall we? Yeah. Oh my can, god, it's him again. Yeah. It's can the I guy. put my cans in the bin if they're in a bag? Did I did I miss something at the Paper. front part? Did you were Paper you complaining bag. about the look? 
No, the aesthetic of just uh, oh, the, dumping the dump, stuff okay. into the okay, bin. I okay. want to organize it and put it into the bin. What did you expect her to say? I don't know. Now that I think back on it, I'm a moron. As if they would say, oh, we can't pick up his recycling. He's got him in the bags again. Look so at we're that. Gonna, uh, we're going to skip him again. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I wish I could swear sometimes because these... Stuff you worry about. Well, I didn't really worry. Yeah, I mean, no, I you, you did. If you called, you were worried. You are so Larry David versus, uh, what was What's, it, as good as it gets, John Jack Nicholson, that what, you, you attempted to call. What we're missing, Matthew, here is there's a simple website I'm sure you could log on to and have the answer within yeah. five minutes. Right, stpaul.gov <laughs> trash yeah, recycling for all, morons. I'm all set. I hope you can sleep tonight. I think the, most of the issues we have, we're just worried about sound. Mm-hmm. At least I am. Yeah, I I pad that thing so well, there's think no. It's in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is good. I double bag mine last time yeah. last weekend. The legal fund responsible for bailing out a Black Lives Matter activist charged with attempted murder in Louisville, I believe it was last week. Yep has financial ties to liberal billionaire George Soros, who has donated hundreds of millions of dollars to Democratic causes. The Louisville Community Bail Fund, which is a fiscally sponsored project of the Alliance for Global Justice, bailed out Quintez Brown, 21, after he was arrested and charged for the attempted murder of Jewish Democratic mayoral candidate Craig Greenberg last Monday, a week ago. Brown was released two days later after the post after the fund posted the required one hundred thousand dollar bail to jail him uh, to bail him out, where he will be kept on house arrest. The Alliance for Global Justice, a liberal advocacy group that has received scrutiny for aiding Palestinian terrorism uh, and supporting the anti-Semitic boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Received 250 grand two years ago from the Foundation to Promote Open Society, a grant-making arm of George Soros's Open Society Foundation, according to the group's 990 tax forms. The $250,000 contribution was designed to catalyze black communities into the global movement for climate justice. Hmm. Huh? <laughs> Boy, he's an evil bastard, isn't he? I yeah, still don't know what's in it for him. He looks like Satan's great grandpappy too. Yeah. <laughs> he is a tough-looking, evil-looking son of a biscuit. The yeah. foundation to promote open society, which has received hundreds of millions of dollars from Soros, also donated over 3.5 million to groups at the Tides Center in 2020, and millions of dollars in previous years, according to its most recent 990 tax form. The Tide Center, a California-based nonprofit incubator that previously housed the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, donated over seven hundred and thirty grand to the Louisville Community Bail Fund in 2020. Greenberg, whose sweater was grazed by one of the bullets fired by Brown, slammed the Louisville Community Bail Fund last Thursday in a statement saying, Our criminal justice system is clearly broken. It is nearly impossible to believe that someone can attempt murder on Monday and walk out of jail on Wednesday. The Louisville Community Bail Fund was co-founded in 2017 by Chanel Helm, a Black Lives Matter Louisville activist who supports abolishing police and has repeatedly praised and defended convicted cop killer Asada Shakur. In recent days, she has used her Facebook page to defend the Louisville Community Bail Fund bailing out Quintez Brown by reposting the official statement from Black Lives Matter Louisville, which called Brown a brilliant and bright leader who just needs direct mental health support. In another Facebook post, Helm appears to be talking about Brown while railing against prison, saying they do not rehabilitate, and if you are advocating for someone to go to jail or prison, it isn't because you hope they can come out a changed person. Okay. Hmm. Uh, th- this woman does not believe in crime, much less a police force. Right. And that's what's happening to the judicial system. And, and Soros, for some reason, finds it virtuous on his part to continue to fund this kind of ideology. Does he, though, or does he just simply want mayhem? Well, again, we've been through this. Uh, he's going to be too old to capitalize on it. In other words, you want him to... Uh, you th- you think he's betting on an economic collapse when he swoops in and buys up even more I'm stuff? I'm not even saying that. I'm saying he's a guy that knows he's at the end or near the end of his life, mm-hmm. and he just wants to see complete mayhem wow. on his way out. <clears throat> That's pretty evil. 
Mm-hmm. Well, of course it is. I know it's his money. Can you do with it what he wants? But imagine if that three point five million went to I don't know, building homeless shelters or feeding the right. hungry. Put some or, energy into it. Yes, uh, getting kids back in school, uh, helping single moms out that live in the ghetto that are working fourteen jobs and trying to rein in kids. Just think of the good that money could have done. Sure. Wow! Yeah. But it, you know, it's his money. That's right. By the way, back to Trudeau for just a brief moment. This Jordy just sent this email to us, you guys. Uh, the Trudeau government has now moved to make expanded surveillance powers over financial transactions permanent. Really? So uh, this wasn't a temporary thing, Joe. I don't think this is about protecting people from the virus, Joe. On what grounds could he do that? I need to... Banking is changing, isn't it? Yeah, there it is. Why doesn't the bank tell him to go put it where the sun don't shine? In a news conference, Canadian Finance Minister Chris Christy Friedland said that the government was using the Emergencies Act to broaden the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules that they could cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers that they use. That broadened power requires all forms of digital transactions, including cryptocurrencies, to be reported to the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Center of Canada. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's eerie, isn't it? It is, because you know know why it's eerie to me, Kenny? I could completely see this administration doing this. Yeah, it's it's what it could lead to. Couldn't you guys see that? They can't here, though, can they? I'd like to think you don't have the same. We don't have the same setup that uh, Um, the Canadian president has encouraged banks to not loan money to. What the hell is he doing? (laughs) Wait a minute. Turn his mic up. No, he's so. Who is he talking to? Well, I believe he's on the phone. Um, currently making a call. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, and in retrospect, How about Canada? no. I in, mean, what is up with in that? retrospect to the Canadians and their no, um, officiously <laughs> courageous? Uh, it's not a. We know it's not a tea time, right? No, what is it? No, it's something more serious than that. It has to do with what has he got a cylinder, a new mole or something on his arm? He's worried about. It has to do with cylinder maintenance. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> But, uh, I got to take this call. Right, I need an oil change. Yeah. I said I have to drive to a dealership in Rochester to get the oil right, change. They have the special oil from when the I said, West Indies. When I left the message, I said I can be reached before noon or after one thirty. It's ten to one. So right. you know you didn't listen to the message. So is that well, afternoon or is that before one thirty? You're 1:30? not obligated to answer. Yeah, I know. It would drive nuts though. Yeah, definitely, Hello? definitely need to bag, bag all cans and bottles. <laughs> Definitely need an oil, oil change. Oil change definitely by, by Friday. Got to have, got to Can't roll. Friday. I think I'll just go to the gas station and have it done. Well, yeah, yeah. like everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> ran over there, Randolph and Snelling. That's my guy, <laughs> Sean. Sean, yeah. Randy used and to know. Is Sean. it the kind of station where you can go in the back and yes. hang out yeah. with him? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the answer. Right. Would you want you want to sit in a waiting room paging through magazines, or yeah. do you want to go in back and? You know, kick your feet around, get dirty, but ask they, questions. They have, they have classed it up. Can uh, I? Uh, they, they don't have the, you know, Phillips, Warren Smith's Phillips 66 on Randolph and Fairview when I was a little small paper boy. You could, you could go back in the bays where they're working on the cars, and yeah. you might, as a, as a small, maybe 9, 10-year-old, get just a little glimpse of the latest uh, yeah. pin-up, yeah. if you say. Yeah. 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 i got to go to the bathroom again, Warren. Joe, I'll be right back. <laughs> Any American that works on, uh, excuse me, that drives a car needs to see the undercarriage. They need to see that vehicle up on the hoist, check it out, look what's under there, see the rust, see where everything is, how it works, uh, ask a lot of dumb questions, learn more about your auto. That's the American way. That's Americana, my friend. My current uh, mechanic, yeah, my current mechanic, uh, (laughs) uh, Jamie and... and, um, Andy over at ANA Auto in South St. Paul, and I and I pay. Yeah. Plug. They'll, they'll they'll put that thing up on there and try to show me what's wrong, what's a tie rod, what's nod. the brake rotors, and I'm I'm giving. Yeah, I got it. And Andy looks at me and goes, "No, you effing don't. You have no effing." And he doesn't he doesn't clean it up. He says, "You have no effing idea what you're." They're the greatest mechanics are the greatest guys in the world. Although yeah. Kenny, do you think that when Joe attempted to make the appointment at the uh, the place where you can walk back, they always say, "No, we're full." Yeah. Stand behind the... Uh, Wait, is this Such? No, <laughs> no, no opening. Yeah, we're done. Through November. <laughs> the cargo ship Felicity Ace 
yeah. is a flame from Speaking bow of- to stern. Uh, it's been burning since Wednesday. We mentioned it last week. The ship is drifting in the Atlantic about 200 miles southwest of Portugal's Azores Islands. Its 22-person crew abandoned ship and was rescued on Thursday. The ship left Germany Feb 10, headed to the U.S. with about 4,000 Porsches, Bentleys, and other luxury cars aboard, and some of those were electric vehicles. What do you think is keeping this fire alive? Of course, we know what it is. The lithium-iron battery fire cannot be put out with water. Wow. Yep, specialist equipment uh, was required to extinguish it, uh, and it's not clear whether the battery sparked the fire, but uh, I think we know what Why happened. didn't somebody just take target practice on the thing so it would sink and put the fire out? On Saturday, uh, Jao Mendez Cabecas, captain of the port of Fail, the nearest Azorian island, told Reuters that the batteries in the ship's cargo are keeping the fire alive. Cabacus added that reinforcements with specialist equipment to extinguish the fire were on their way. At the time of the interview with him, the fire hadn't reached the ship's fuel tank but was closing in. Large quantities of dry chemicals are needed to smother lithium-ion battery fires, which burn hotter and release noxious gases in the process. Pouring water onto the Felicity Ace would not put out a lithium-ion battery fire. makes it worse. Ion. Ion. And added that water weight could make the ship more unstable. So there you are. I'm, I'm glad you all are being encouraged to buy electric. There's large so, amount of fuel on board, too. So we've got burning car batteries and fuel. What could go wrong? What's that going to do to the environment? <laughs> well, so what's the prognosis with uh, this Specialists ship? are on the way, but do you want to enter, uh, enter the vessel with your uh, hazmat suit on, knowing that, f- for all you know, the... Uh, the fuel tank is about to explode. No, I think they'll wait to, till it's secure. But I mean, are they? You, we just can't sink it. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you? Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello, this is the German Coast Guard. What are you thinking about? Speaking of Germans, uh, 3,965 vehicles, Such, uh, 1,100 Porsches, 189 Bentleys, a whole ton of Audis. Mm-hmm. Well, they can have car- the Audis, but the Bentleys are the ones I'm worried about. Car-carrying ships and ferries face higher risks from fires, according to Insurer Alliance Global's head of marine risk. Due to the internal areas not being divided to make it easier to transport cars, when a fire starts, it can spread more easily. So in other words, to cram more cars into the hold, they're just packed all together. There's nothing that divides them. Can you imagine how their insurance rates are? And what a lousy, uh, poisonous fire it must be. Oh, Oh. there's Lambos on it. Sure. Yeah. Oh, Jeez. So you, you, you still don't want to hold out hope that whoever finds it gets to keep it? No, you don't want any of this stuff. Got it. Uh, so it, they'll just scrap the ship right now? Uh, they're, they're going out there to tow it in to somewhere. Large numbers of EVs grouped together as when they are transported by cargo ship or electric buses parked in an overnight lot raise the risk that one flaming battery could ignite a chain reaction in adjacent batteries. According to a research proposal at the National Academy of Sciences Transportation Research Board, lithium-ion battery fire risks are currently undermanaged in transit operations. Dita, what are you doing? There is a fire. I'm going to pour some water on it. No, No, Dita. (laughs) There have been more than 35 large lithium-ion battery fires since 2018. Paul Christensen, an expert in lithium fires, told the Financial Times, including a 13-ton Tesla Megapack storage battery in Victoria, Australia, that burned for three days. An electric ferry in Norway caught fire in 2019, and in April 2021, a battery fire at a Beijing mall killed two firefighters. There was just a... uh, I want my engine to be gas, Aline. There was just... (laughs) A fire alarm at the airport the other day, mm-hmm. uh, not due to anything Sun Country had, or, but there was an airline there that their walkie-talkies started on fire in the charger bin. 
Oh no! Really? Yeah. Nobody was da- nobody was hurt, but it was not yeah. the uh, hometown airline. You know, nobody ever talks about the the fires, the quick consuming fires that occur when a, an electric car crashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they come on fast, and like you said, they can't be put out. I saw. I told you I saw the parking ramp sign in Nashville. Uh, placed in front right. of the entrance to the ramp was no electric vehicles due to fire risk. So wow! How do they get away? The parking ramp. How do they get away with that? Well, it's their ramp. But didn't we just decide that we're going to spend what was it five bill to build charging stations? Mm-hmm. That's 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 a nice uh, waste of money. You see, the, uh, and the fee they're charged—they're only charged a flat fee of seventy dollars a month for tabs. Really? Wait, say that again, Kenny. I was in the paper yesterday. I'm going to have to look it up. Hold on. Uh, I also saw that the Biden administration has halted any uh, oil and gas exploration leases. Oh. So gas could be, I don't know, four or five bucks a gallon. Sure, why not? Well, we could solve that, Joe, but we have to be virtue signaling by shutting down the pipeline. Have you uh, experienced the... Uh, cost of inflation in your family? Serious question. Of course. Uh, we do. God, yes. <clears throat> we just discussed it. My wife and I were just, she b- does about other groceries. Yeah. I don't the, buy the She groceries. said the price of chicken breasts mm-hmm. has basically almost doubled. Yes. And, you know, it's it's not even, and you, the store shelves are not empty, but it looks like uh, the slim. maid's tale. Yeah. Uh, where pickings are just super slim. So, yes, um, all prices for everything is up. I was just going to ask you, what's your number on gas? I got when snow- you start thinking about it? I put in premium yesterday in my, my tank uh, for the snow snowblower. Yep. And uh, I just I only put in $10 worth but because that filled the can. Right. That was over $4 a gallon for the premium grade. Yeah, because I filled up yesterday. It was over seventy bucks for me to fill up. My but do tank. you have a number in your mind where you nope. not where you're going to stop, but you're going to seriously consider, or you're going to drive a car that has better mileage, or you're just not going to make a trip? A- that number that number exists. I haven't hit it yet. Okay, I'm sure that number exists. Yeah, it's going to kill road trips. Yeah, yeah. I didn't find the story. Yeah, uh, that was my t- finest hour when I um. When I went to uh, South Dakota, mm-hmm. rented a thing from Hilltop Trailers, and gas was at about $4.50 a Timing was right. <laughs> timing was horrible. You know when your timing is right? Huh. When you get the perfect gift for an anniversary, for a birthday. I don't care what the occasion is. Uh, maybe you're just bringing out a cylinder index candle to your trash hauler to say, Thank you for keeping it quiet. I really appreciate it. And don't tell anybody about the bags. Well, they have those all sorts of wonderful, non-boring candles. Stop burning boring candles Stop and it. get in touch with Spiralite Candle Company. New scents in 2022. Peony, Evergreen, Mango Mai Tai, Cucumber Melon, and a little uh, exclusive treat to what might be coming out this spring. With the annual When Did Joe's Lilac Bloom coming mm. in spring, they have a great tie into the European lilac. You, that's right up your alley, Suits. Like it better be that. a gift yeah. for the CP. I might buy it for myself. So check it out. Valentine's Day is over, but the love of candles continues all year. Check them out online. It's spiralightcandles.com. In order to get your hands on that cylinder index candle, go to spiralightcandles.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom like I am right now. You see the GL logo. Click on that, and you can find out how you can be in the club and have a garage-smelling cylinder index candle. Stop burning those boring candles with spiralightcandles.com. The St. Thomas men's basketball team continues to battle through its first year in Division I hoops. The Tommies take on the University of Denver on Thursday night and Nebraska-Omaha on Saturday. If you want to see great team basketball, lots of threes, you can buy your tickets now at TommySports.com. Oh. Oh. And now. Oh. A man who has never had a relationship with a tree. Oh. Here's Joe Souchere. Oh, my. Let me slide out of these trousers. (laughs) No. Slide back into them. (laughs) Uh, How about a little math, boys? Let's do some math. Six snowmobile cylinders, four tractor cylinders, 
and 16 GMC oh. slash Chevrolet cylinders. What's 26. that give us? 26. 26. 6 plus 4 is 10 plus 16. Yeah, 26. That's how many gasoline and diesel-powered cylinders ran flawlessly for moi over the weekend, thanks wow. to seafoam motor treatment and seafoam high-mileage motor treatment. And none of that seafoam treatment was used in a panic. That's the secret. That's the best way to use it. Uh, use it casually in a preventive manner, like Such taught me. Uh, but if you did happen to put it away wet and dirty about six months ago, and it's been a while since it tu- it's turned over, uh, seafoam is also your friend. Uh, seafoam in the tank, seafoam in the carb, the injectors, even in the crankcase. Seafoam helps keep the cruddy gas up to snuff, cleans carbon and sludge from the injectors, the carb, and breaks up that grody goo that forms and collects in the pan. Uh, Rookie, have you ever dropped an oil pan to see what's going on in there? No, but I did pretend to know what the crankcase was because I yeah. thought, yeah, at the, at the thing, mechanics, you got to move it around and if it doesn't yeah. work you gotta start cranking on it and, yeah it's yeah, a crank so that's where i yeah. put all my seafoam it's that crank up front right in front of the bumper there. i got the snowblower <laughs> lined up ready to go for the big storm and i got uh seafoam in the tank of the snowblower and in the tank of gas i brought home. that's what i'm talking about preventive See? truly a wonderful product in a world of goo seafoam uh here, I want to read you this email. Tim alerted me to... Joe, your oil change is at 11 o'clock. We'll see you then. A guy named Brian Echeverria has joined the chorus of black parents who are speaking out at school board meetings against critical race theory. And I told you before, I only play black people talking about critical race theory uh, because it teaches their kids that they will always be victims. He is a business owner who has put his money where his mouth is. He is now running for the state legislature in North Carolina. Uh, this was a three-minute speech he gave to his school board uh, one week ago. Brian Echeverria. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your service. Obviously, you guys give of yourselves to, to do what you're doing. The community, I think we recognize that now that the political juice has been sucked out of the mask distraction, that we have to move forward. And one of the things I wanted to thank you for tonight was the resolution, the non-discrimination resolution, the CRT deal, because it's, it's happening. And as a parent, I speak to other parents, there's a few things that we don't want. I'm biracial, I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan color kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. And I think that's the same for every parent. What the mask showed us is that the parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local school board because CRT, all of that... The parents don't want it. It's a big fat lie. There's not one, if if you believe in CRT, I want to tell you you're a liar because that means you look at your black neighbor and say that they're oppressed and you look at your white neighbor and say that they're evil regardless of the experience that you've had with them. And we're not going to do that. The parents in the United States of America right here in North Carolina and Cabarrus County, we know that's not true because we believe the lives we live. The fact is, I've been a business owner right here in North Carolina, and I deal with white people, black people, Hispanic people. My children deal with everybody. And the racism is only happening at the government level and on the media. The fact is, you have racists, and there's like, you can't even find them hardly. You just hear the stories about them. But this is, this is what we're dealing with. The parents are taking the wheel. I have an eight-year-old daughter who is absolutely dynamic, who can do anything athletically, intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally. She is a dynamo. And I don't want a man swimming against her in the pool. The fact is, I don't want her playing against boys in soccer. I don't even let my sons rough her up. Do you think I'm going to let your son rough her up? This is what we're talking about. Policy going back to the parents. Because if you think people who love America are willing to fight for it, you haven't met parents yet. Because I'm telling you, parents will go further down any street than anyone who loves their country alone. My name is Brian Echeverria. 
I thank you for your service. And we're taking back the wheel. Thank you for being here. Wow. That was moving. <laughs> I don't know what, what critical race theory had to do with uh, his girl having to compete against boys in a swim. I wonder meet. if that was a subject up for debate. Yeah, at that, school. That's, that's, that may just be an extension. Women, that's women, women are, women's sports is getting ruined. Yeah. Just getting ruined. Is that why Michaela fell four times? I don't know. I said that she ought to just clean the parking lot and somebody <laughs> give her a medal. Uh, uh, no, women's sports is getting ruined. That's a completely different topic. I, I, I admire that fellow's remarks uh, tremendously because there's more of him than there are of anybody else. They just don't get heard. But right on the, uh, right on the nose, it happens in the government and it happens in the media. Mm-hmm. But it, it, we are seeing somewhat of a shift, though, aren't we, in yeah. that regard? Because look what happened in San Francisco. Yeah. Was that yeah. last week, yes. the week before? Yes. Yeah. Do you have the uh, today's helmet update, please? Oh, I didn't know we were well, going. Well, I can wait for you until you find it, it uh, but it's a very here's important. Here's today's helmet update. <laughs> <laughs> no, no expense was spared. No, was that one take? I believe that was one. I think take. it was just Do one take. <laughs> hey, Rock, how long does this no, need to be? No, he he felt this. Yeah, he did. Here's today's helmet update. You know, he he, he drew he it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, he it's went not off key. No, no, it's it's not good. off key. A law requiring Seattle bicyclists to wear helmets had been in effect for 30 years, but was revoked in the name of racial equity. The King County Board of Health voted to repeal the helmet mandate because of accusations that the law was disproportionately enforced against people of color and homeless people. So you none, nobody we'll do a lot of bike, excessive bike riding. Apparently. In 1993, King County passed a law that requires all bicyclists to wear helmets. The law was expanded to explicitly include Seattle in 2003. The law was enacted to decrease the severity of bicycling incidents. However, the community began noticing data that suggests black and homeless bicyclists were receiving more tickets than others, probably because they weren't wearing a helmet. Boom. Seattle Police Department data collected and analyzed by Seattle Neighborhood Greenways and the Helmet Law Working Group shows that people <laughs> shows that police disproportionately gave helmet law citations to black, indigenous, and people of color cyclists, states the uh, press release from the Public Health Insider for Seattle and King County. Uh, the, their analysis found that black riders were nearly four times as likely to be cited by police for not wearing a helmet while biking compared to white riders. Further, in Seattle, nearly half of the citations issued for biking without a helmet were given to people living homeless. Well, so rather than have a rather than expect anybody to wear the helmet, we'll just remove the requirement. Right, right. Because then you have equity. <laughs> Lowest common denominator. So everybody has an equal opportunity to get their own concussion. <laughs> right. That's the kind of thinking you get the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. Let's not expect that someone would actually follow the law and wear the damn helmet, uh, but let's, uh, let's, just let's, change just, the law. let's just change the law so I, that you don't uh, have to wear a helmet. I, I, I like that change, mm-hmm. actually. I, I, would not, I am not in favor of bicycle helmets. I've never come out and admit this. It's not as bad as Royce uh, being anti-seatbelt, uh, but I, I'm anti-bicycle helmet, so uh, I like this. And now I'm thinking, how can uh, my back, black friends um, change other laws like... Uh, you know, that 60-mile-an-hour speed limit, that's not working out for me. That's racist. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. if we could somehow get together. I want some equity there. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, Kenny, did I see we, we issued uh, the, the racist state troopers on 94? Was it 150 tickets they gave out? Yeah. Well, here's the deal. It's not just everybody got up in arms because they thought it was going to be 94 between the Brooklyn Center curve and the tunnel. Well, that goes through the north side, so they're picking on the black folk. Well, as it turns out, they did Highway 100, yeah. 394, 169, 94 over in St. Paul. And, yeah, everybody's speeding, you know. Everybody's speeding. So they're getting that. They're getting distracted drivers, um, et cetera, et cetera. And occasionally, every couple nights, they'll get a felon. On you know? Jefferson yesterday and uh, I don't know where. How fast were you going? No, four-way stop. <laughs> I stop and I see a car coming. It's a woman that just drives right through the four-way stop oh. and she's staring at her phone, texting. Oh, yep. yeah. But Kenny's right. The, the the speeders on the inner inner city freeways, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So they thought that uh, they were targeting just black drivers. because well, of the, 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 hand, the hand started. ringers and the pearl clutchers, yeah. 
automatically assumed that this was to target black folk. We should uh, note that we've lost a great living American named Gail Halverson, Air Force transport pilot known as the Candy Bomber, who dropped chocolates and gum for kids in West Berlin during the Berlin airlift. He died at 101 in Utah, surrounded by his children. Uh, Colonel Gail Seymour Hal Halverson is best known as the Berlin Candy Bomber or Uncle Wiggly Wings and game fame for dropping candy to German kids during the Berlin airlift from 1948 to 49. Halverson was beloved and venerated in Berlin, which he last visited in 2019 when the city celebrated the 70th anniversary of the day the Soviets lifted their post-World War II blockade, cutting off supplies to West Berlin with a big party at the former Tempelhof Airport in the German capital. Halverson's deeply human act has never been forgotten, Berlin Mayor Franziska Giffey said. Utah Governor Spencer Cox, who praised Halverson, who was born in Salt Lake City but grew up on farms before getting his pilot's license. I know he's up there handing out candy behind the pearly gates, he said. After the U.S. entered World War II following the attack on Pearl Harbor, Halverson trained as an Air Force fighter pilot and served as a transport pilot in the South Atlantic during World War II before flying food and other supplies to West Berlin as part of the airlift. Huh. 101. Boy, there are not many left. Are there? No, who no. would receive this then? Who would receive his uh, candy and, and his treats and well, things like the that? the German mafia would pick it up and then the uh, sell yeah. it at an uh, increased uh, <laughs> I know, just, overhead. They the would kids. see the plane coming over and they'd probably get excited because he was the candy man. They knew he was candy, drop, candy. candy drop. Yeah, candy okay. drop. Marlboro yeah. drop. So they those had nothing in Berlin after Winston the war. drop. No one knows how desolate that was. Got it. They had Got nothing. It. Nothing. And so he was just performing an act for those war-torn kids. That's exactly what he was doing. Got it. Uh, there's a, a guy um, that travels around uh, one of the racetracks I go to in the uh, summer in uh, one of those scooters like Rookie's dad has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he hands out candy to the to kids. Ooh, and, I don't tell you, every everybody's giving that guy side yeah, eye. Yeah. Well, that was the rejected uh, children's book. <laughs> yeah, strangers have the best candy. <laughs> right. <laughs> they re- rejected the book, we though. They said, you know, yeah. can we have that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Strangers have the best candy will not be published. It's fun to put a fork in the electrical right, outlet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, kids, check out my van. Yeah. We'll be back. <laughs> Give them something to work with. Here's Joe Souchere. Okay, I, I got some helpful advice for you, GLers. If the failed uh, university is begging you to accept a $61 million check for your wood tick and mosquito infested 40 acre hellhole, <laughs> I suggest you take that check <laughs> and put it in a Liberty Safe. 99 from, acres. From, wow. from MapleGroveLockAndSafe.com. Uh, this will be the last spot I ever do on my last appearance on Garage Logic. But I want you to know that uh, I went out talking about the uh, great things that Liberty Safe can do for your security. (laughs) You get it from maplegrovelockandsafe.com. The best safe ever made is the Liberty Top of the Line, made right here in the United States. And the guy that's going to uh, get that safe out of his store and into your home is uh, Rich. He's the owner, the operator, the Liberty Safe matchmaker. Uh, and he's going to walk you through the whole process and make sure you end up with a very spacious uh, safe. Uh, the Liberty Safe is, is going to fit your needs, whatever it might be. It could be anything, um, in, any safe in their line. MapleGroveLockAndSafe.com. That's what you remember. Also, the address, of course. Stop in. Say hi. Shake his hands. Uh, both hands. It would be kind of weird. Please don't do that. Just <laughs> give them the regular hands. handshake or some yeah. knucks. Both hands. 6901 Fish Lake Road in do Maple Do the cross Grove. like this. <laughs> MapleGroveLockAndSafe.com. Uh, Steve Mulholland, loyal GL listener in the belly of the beast. Yes. Liberal Lakes area of Minneapolis writes, in the wake of your recent criticism of the traveling Lymans from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, it has occurred to me that you have no ground in which to stand when chiding the world travelers for repeating various event- events from this day in Minnesota history. Let me stop. 
I would never criticize the traveling linemen. That's not what I said. I, I said well, I'm beginning to notice some of these occasions. Frankly, I don't understand why you've turned on them. Tom has provided a, right. he's I provided me with a lot of really good information. Yeah, okay. And then just Tom one day what you I mean. up and grab the knife and stuck it in his back. You know, when they come back, if they ever do, let's have them on the show. It'd be fun. Wouldn't yeah. it be fun? Well, if you apologize uh, to not. him first. I haven't done anything. Let us let us let me finish the email. But let's stop and think about what you just said. Let's bring some people that we don't really know into the studio to do the show with us. <laughs> yeah. That have been that's, traveling all over the world, picking so, up every yes, little virus. Let's, let's rethink this after the show, okay? <laughs> let's revisit this and take a vote. Go ahead. You, Mr. Mayor, practice this very act each and every day to start off the podcast with your weather highs and lows. The meteorological records rarely change. During, despite the repetition, I, for one, enjoy hearing the weather history. It would encourage you and the boys to cut the linemen some slack. I didn't give them a hard time. Yeah. And let's face That's it. perception. And let's face it. We can only tolerate so much from this day in Wisconsin history. Keep pushing back, Steve. No, uh, Tom has already settled this. We're just back to Minnesota. And only because right they come to us. What a segue. All the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa. On this day, Fab 2-1, in 1855, Henderson, Minnesota is incorporated. Joseph R. Brown had settled there in 1852, and he named the town for his aunt, Margaret Brown Henderson, and her son, Andrew. I was just through Henderson on Saturday when I went to the Mankato game. And a sad note on this day. In 2005, three Minnesota National Guardsmen, David Day of St. Louis Park, Jesse Lotka of Appleton, and Jason Timmerman of Tracy were killed in Iraq, marking the deadliest day for Minnesota soldiers since Vietnam. Mm. Sergeant Lotka is credited with saving a fellow Guardsman's life and helping evacuate another soldier before being killed by the roadside blast. Ooh, fine Gosh. Americans, thank you. Thank you, thank you so Those much. Those guys are brass pairs. Mm-hmm. Brass pairs. Mm-hmm. You guys you, doing MNST now? Yes. Yes, sir. I'm in the Sticking waiting. around ask, for the big uh, show? No, I want you to ask Roycey, though, and maybe Reavers, you know, about this ridiculous fight that I saw college. Uh, I Joe and I right were here. talking about First it. thing on my yeah, list. Joe How's the failed t- academy going to handle that? Oh, boy. What was that all about? Give me a brief summary. Well, we break it all down on sports. Uh, Wisconsin had a huge lead, and with just seconds left, Wisconsin called a timeout, and Jawan Howard took exception to that. The Michigan head coach. The Michigan head coach, and then in the handshake pile after the game, the line, uh, apparently he started jawing with Wisconsin's well, he threw coach. a punch. And he threw a punch and hit an assistant coach. Did, yeah. well, he was a pro, wasn't he? Yes, he yes. was. Yeah. A longtime player. Yeah. Uh, was he part of the Fab Five? Yes, he was. Yes. All right. Why do you keep looking over there, Matt? Because there's nothing. Uh, it keeps changing. I no, he look he at the does new... that to get you to look at what he's looking at. Hey, what do you make of that hockey team last night, Such? I loved it. I thought they played very well. Why don't you stick around for sports talk, Olson? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's not good. interested. Okay, he covered he's the not... two things I care about. <laughs> all right, thank you, GLers. He's out. Hey, Pod MN for all of your uh, on that screen right needs. there. Yeah, right there. See, I can see it in down the corner. That's a, my that's my teleprompter. Um, I want to tell you guys that uh, I was poking around Pod MN the other day. You were? Yeah. It yeah. was. I was. And there are so many Minnesota-based or having to do with Minnesota podcasts. I was amazed by that. Check it out for yourself, Pod MN. And then if you're farting around, go to our YouTube page. Garage Logic has a YouTube page you can subscribe to and get quick quips and insights video stuff. That's uh, that's pretty good. And some old school stuff as well. That's YouTube, Garage Logic. Subscribe to it. You can friend us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Are we, we're not on TikTok. I am on TikTok. You can follow me on TikTok, me and my two videos. Oh, bye, Kenny.